Hey, history lovers, I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Back in his day, Robert Morris was a pretty big deal. He was one of just two men to sign all three of the nation's founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, and the U.S. Constitution. Morris came to prominence by making a pile of money in the shipping industry, and when things went south with the British, he employed his ships and business connections to trade flour and other goods to France for guns. Morris took on a series of important financial posts in government. But in becoming the so-called financier of the revolution, Morris also became a target of critics who wondered whether he was using his financial know-how and insider status to benefit himself. In 1790, fed up with constant attacks in the press, Morris did something truly extraordinary. He wrote a letter to President George Washington and both houses in Congress asking, almost begging, to be investigated for maladministration. Your memorialist is desirous that a strict examination should be had into his conduct in order that if he is guilty of maladministration, it may be detected and punished. Morris's mouthful of a demand was taken up in the House of Representatives. There, members referred it to a select committee. That act ultimately helped lay the foundation for the wide-ranging subpoena power Congress uses to investigate slash torment the executive branch, including the president. That's right. The fiery congressional hearings that have captivated Americans for centuries, from the John Brown raid to Watergate to the Iran-Contra affair to President Trump, began with the founding father raising his hand to say, investigate me. The Judiciary Committee will come to order, and without objection, the chair is authorized to declare recesses of the These days, congressional Welcome. subpoena fireworks are almost taken for granted. If Democrats control the House and a Republican occupies the Oval Office, then it's game on. Same goes the other way. During Bill Clinton's presidency, Republican Dan Burton issued more than 1,000 subpoenas when he was the chair of the powerful oversight committee. President Trump is facing the prospects of numerous House investigations now that Democrats are in control of that chamber. Special counsel Robert Mueller is bringing the Russia investigation closer to President Trump. Mueller sent a subpoena to the Trump organization demanding documents. And the Russia investigation moving another step closer to President Trump. A source telling CNN that special counsel Robert Mueller has subpoenaed the Trump organization. Back when Morris made his request, the idea of Congress conducting investigations was new, but not entirely novel. Like many aspects of governance, the founders and constitutional framers looked to the Brits for inspiration. James Wilson, a key framer, published an essay in 1774 extolling the virtues of the British House of Commons, whom he called Grand Inquisitors of the Realm. The proudest ministers of the proudest monarchs have trembled at their censures, Wilson wrote, and have appeared at the bar of the house to give an account of their conduct and ask pardon for their faults. Therefore, it was the job of the House of Representatives, Wilson said, to form the grand inquest of the state and diligently inquire into grievances arising from both men and things. One problem, though. 
the Constitution, according to a Congressional Research Service paper, provided no express powers for Congress to investigate, issue subpoenas, or to punish for contempt. Whoops. That power emerged from a series of precedents derived from congressional actions and Supreme Court decisions. Implied powers that began, historians say, with Morris and his request that Congress investigate his tenure managing finances under the Articles of Confederation, also known as the original Constitution. A select committee that included James Madison issued a report recommending that a panel of five House members examine Morris and his finances. While some members objected to the cost of an investigation, Madison argued that the effort was necessary for the House because it was the only way to ensure the level of justice the country and its public servants depended on and deserved. In the end, the committee did not find evidence of maladministration, the National Archives wrote in a footnote to a digital version of Morris's letter. However, nobody has provided an explanation for how such a wonderful word, maladministration, vanished from the political lexicon. After being cleared, Morris returned to life as a businessman. But after running into money problems following some bad land deals, the financier of the revolution spent three of his last eight years of life residing in debtor's prison. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Travis Andrews for reading Robert Morris's words in today's episode. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.